Hey everybody and welcome back to Steve's NRL Footy Tips for Round 5. I'm your host, Steve Westway, here on Tuesday afternoon. I love the weekly Tuesday afternoons as the team list have just dropped and we've got plenty to talk about this week. The Panthers, the only team undefeated still in the NRL after four rounds. The Tigers, the only team without a win after four rounds. We'll talk about how they lost in the dying minutes last Thursday night against the Gold Coast Titans. We'll talk about all the action last week and preview all the games this week. But I can't do this alone this week. I'm bringing in one of my good mates to be special guest, Josh Duncan. He's going to join the show momentarily, and we're going to talk about the weekend's football. But before I do so, let me just go through my team of the week for round four. And there was a lot of standout competitors um, in round four. There was a, a very entertaining weekend of football, as I predicted in the show. Um... Last week, there were some blowout scores and some teams really started to assert their dominance. We saw the likes of the Penrith Panthers, the Parramatta Eels, the Melbourne Storm, the Sydney Roosters and the Manly Sea Eagles really put the swords to their opposition. And we're starting to see a little bit of a divide four weeks in between the really good teams in this competition and the teams that you know are going to be fighting out near the bottom of the competition ladder or for those remaining final spots. So in round four... I had Ryan Pappenhausen as my fullback, and who else could you put? I mean, he scored four tries, one try assist, over 200 metres, was absolutely dominant in the 44-0 destruction that the Storm had over the Canterbury Bulldogs. On the wings, I've gone Jesse Arthurs from the Warriors. He was playing centre. I've shifted me out on the wing. Um, really good performance, a few tries in a really good upset. Uh, the Warriors getting over the Broncos there on Saturday afternoon. I've gone Taylor May as my other winger. For the Penrith Panthers, he has done a tremendous job stepping in for Brian Toe in the last fortnight. It's almost like, you know, Toe hasn't even been out. He's been making plenty of meters, scoring plenty of tries, and he's already proven himself to be one of the really exciting finishes in the game at, at a young age. So uh, props there to Taylor May. In the centers, I've gone Joey Manu, a good performance uh, for the Roosters in the dominant win over the Bull, uh, over the Cowboys. Sorry, he scored two tries in that game. And one of my performers of the week, Cifa Talakai for the Sharks. I mean, what a career kind of resurgence this guy's had in the past 12 months. He was really good in the second row for Cronulla. Connor Tracy went down with an injury. So in that game against the Dragons last week, he shifted out into the centers. Then he started there against Newcastle, and it was a dominant performance. He really got over the top of his opposite number in Dan Gagai, and that's not an easy task to do because Gagai and his form has been... Uh, scintillating to start 2022, but Talakai, big, aggressive, hard to stop. Uh, he's in some fantastic form there for Cronulla. In the halves, I've gone the Eels halves, both of them, Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses. They're quite a combination, and Dylan Brown really living up to his potential in 2022. I mean, it took him a few years to mature, and I've been critical on the podcast in the past that he hasn't really... You know, he's floated in and out of games and haven't really taken control and t- taken some of the pressure off Mitchell Moses, but he's done that this year. And Mitchell Moses just doing his thing, a fantastic kicking game, scoring tries, setting up tries. It was a great performance by both the halves in a dominant victory against the Dragons on Sunday night. In my forward back, I've gone the 300 player, uh, 300 milestone player himself, Aiden Tolman, a great performance off the bench there for Cronulla, and that moment where he scored the try in his 300th game. He doesn't score many big Tolman, but what a moment TV celebrated there last Friday night. Adam Fanua Blake, another dominant display for the Warriors, starting to get back to some of his best football, uh, made plenty of metres over 190 last Saturday night, and that's what you want to see. You want to see Fanua Blake 
at his destructive best if the Warriors are going to be winning football games. And he was certainly that last Saturday night. In the hooker position, I've gone Harry Grant, scored a try. Um, sorry, did score a try, but set a couple of tries up last weekend. Plenty of tackles, and he just really leads from the front from the Melbourne Storm. In my second row, I've gone Nathan Brown for the Eels. Outstanding performance, uh, another try for him. Making plenty of metres, and he's just such a... Uh, Man, the hits that he puts on opposition, he's such a a great defender in our game. And, you know, sometimes he is guilty of giving away a penalty or two. But I love the aggression that Nathan Brown plays with. Victor Radley, my second row of the week. Another solid performance there for the Roosters. And if the Roosters are going to be successful in 2022, they need him at his best. And, um, you know, he controlled that middle part of the field a lot better than he has uh, so far this year, Victor Radley. And on my uh, Isaiah Yo, sorry, is my lock as well. You know what you're going to get from Yo? You're going to get an inspirational performance, and he led from the front again on Friday night. Clearly came back in the Penrith lineup that beat South Sydney um, in that grand final rematch. But Isaiah Yo, um, he's just, the, other than Cleary, he is the most important piece of this Penrith side. And so far this year, he has been the guy and the leader that's really stepped up the most there at Penrith. On my bench, I've gone Tedesco, Dylan Edwards, Tom Sroevich. So three fullbacks. That shows you how many standout performances we had from some of these top heavyweight teams this week and Daly Cherry Evans was my other bench player as well. A, a dominant performance Ricky Stewart said that you know he proved why he's worth his one million dollar deal for the last ten seasons and Cherry Evans got you know um got some real inspiration from re signing this week and it was a great performance to lead mainly to that twenty five to six win over the Raiders last Saturday night. But that is my team of the week for round four we're going to get into my footy tips shortly. Before we do that, please remember to like Steve's NRL footy tips on Facebook. Subscribe wherever you guys listen to your favorite podcast each and every week, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or Google Podcasts. So far this year, I've got 23 out of 32 tips correct. I'm hitting 71% currently. It's not exactly where I want to be. It's pretty good on paper, but I'm still searching for that perfect round, and I'm going to bring in a guest momentarily, Josh Duncan. He's been on the show before. He's going to come back. He's one of my best mates, and... Hopefully, at least one of us can predict the perfect round this week. I also want to mention before I do that, that last week I got my bet of the week up and had a couple of messages uh, congratulating me and some guys put some money on it. So congratulations to all you guys that did. It was uh, the Tigers with 10.5 start, the Storm 13 plus into the Eels 13 plus. I think it was paying about $8. I hope you guys got on and hopefully this week I can uh, give you some best bets. And Josh is Josh Duncan is also a specialist when it comes to NRL Supercoach, so we're going to be talking plenty about that at the end of the show as well. But without further ado, let's bring in Josh Duncan, and let's start our preview for Round 5 of the NRL Telstra Premiership. And as I just mentioned, I am now joined by my special guest this week. He's been on the show before. I think this is his third time back. Keeps getting invited back because he does such a great job. It's Mr. Josh Duncan. Josh, how are you today, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, Westy. Very, very excited to be on the podcast again. Uh, really enjoyed it the last couple of times, especially the finals. The finals extravaganza. That was a, a fun podcast to do, but um, really enjoying the footy so far this year. So, yeah, keen to talk about it. Absolutely, man. Well, I know that you've missed my voice. I mean, you're, you're up in Canberra now, so we haven't been able to watch any football together this year, but I'm, I'm glad that we're going to get a chance to talk about it in this afternoon. How have you found the first four rounds, and in, uh, in particular last weekend, I mean, we'll start with your beloved Eels, mate, hitting some good form um, early in the season, I mean, the, the loss round two to Cronulla in the dying stages wasn't great, but big wins against the Storm and the Dragons the last fortnight. Yeah, well, um, 
especially we've slowly starting to get there when it comes to playing the full 80. I think against against Melbourne and the Dragons, we played about 60 minutes. Um, we won those games, and to, uh, I was a bit disappointed to have so many points put against us as we did um, in the Dragons game. But our completion rate last week was what really, really um, made me pleased. We completed 88%, I believe, if I remember the stats correctly. But that was such a massive, massive issue in the first three weeks. And to finally actually get a good completion rate above 75%. And I think we only missed 20 tackles last week as well. So, yeah, we, we're getting there in a couple of... Um, couple of decent games for us the next two weeks so if we want to be up there with um, Manly with Penrith with the Roosters we really need to start playing um, 70 to 80 minutes now so that's the goal absolutely I mean it's only the first month of the season as well so obviously every team's still building but good signs there for Para. what do you think of my assessment I mean were you hopeful at the start of the season heading into the year with the Eels chances and in my season previews I think we've talked about it off the show, and that's the fact that I said that this year would be a failure if Parramatta don't make the grand final, similar to what I said about Souths last year. Obviously, we ended up losing the grand final, but I honestly think that uh, this is your last chance with your current squad, so if you don't make the big dance, I think this season uh, will be written in history as a failure for Parramatta. What do you think? Oh, for sure. I mean, um, given the fact that our in the NRL this year, our squad is probably the most stable um, we haven't had many losses. We haven't had many gains. It's probably the most adhesive team on paper, given the fact that we didn't lose anyone or didn't gain anyone, really. A few bits and pieces. But um, with all the departures at the end of this year and contracts hanging around, and it's definitely this year or potentially waiting for another five years so this year we have to get to that grand final if we get to the if we get to the week before the grand final and we lose in a tight battle you know i'm not going to be obviously going to be disappointed but um if we are consistent through the finals and we um start to pick up from where Parramatta has failed so many times in the finals where we just go missing in the big games and the big moments. So to get to that grand final is the overall goal and we should get there this year, I hope. If not, at least the week before the grand final. But if not this year, then it's going to be very tough. Could be on the verge of a rebuild. Could be on the verge of a rebuild for sure in the next yes. in the next few years if you don't. 100%. You don't get it together this year. What do you think so far? Have you watched much football so far this season? I'm getting, I know you've been keeping track yeah, of it, but you've uh, watched many games. And what do you think of the quality so far in 2022 of the matches? I mean, I've I've said this a couple of times off um, in different conversations with a few different people. I mean, some of the quality has been so poor. I mean, we witnessed a few games last week that were just absolute drubbers. And I mean... I think it was the Thursday night game. Thursday night game was the most <laughs> interesting game I've ever watched, whereas the fact that it was just awful, and I can't believe Channel 9 chose um, chose that game to be the first of the week, which was just 
very interesting. But there's been some really good games. I mean, Storm Eels, I might be biased, but I think that was one of the best games of the year. Not just because Parramatta won, but just the quality of it. Um, the defence, even though there was a lot of points in, the attack was fantastic from both sides. And the defence was pretty good in stages too. We've got some good good base. Um, and I mean, it is only week four. So going into week five, I'd like to see the quality improve. Um, just attack seems to be a little bit off this year. Don't know what it is, but um, a lot of teams are really struggling in attack, aside from last week where we got some big scores. But... We'll see how it goes over the next few weeks. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind the, the the less points getting scored because I think we got to a point in the last few years with the six again when we we're seeing too many points being scored. But you're right, the balance is slightly off. Um, obviously, I think people teams are still adjusting as well to the rule change where you get a penalty in your own half now, which might be yeah, reducing sure. points because you got so many stoppages. Um, a little bit more stoppages anyway to kind of let your defence, you know, get reset and get structured. While the last couple of years when you've had the six again, obviously play just keeps continuing so I think teams are still adjusting to that a little bit and you know teams I, I guess have to start getting a little bit more creative in how they're scoring yeah. points I mean I think the lower teams are just you know going four forward hit ups when they're on attack sometimes especially teams like the Tigers and then they'll try to put a kick in the last tackle and try to instead of actually trying to create stuff while they're on attack they just go simple one yeah. out football so um, we'll see if it can improve during the course of the year for sure I just mentioned before um, I introduced you to Josh that you're a uh, super coach uh, specialist, and we'll, we'll talk about super coach after we preview the games and and how your team's traveling this year, mate. But uh, last week was really rough for me personally. Um, I think it was rough for you as well. So both got to get yeah. back on track this week. Yeah, we had we had some shockers, didn't we? Considering some people in our um, comp got over fourteen hundred, so. I went from one I went from fifteen hundred to twenty five thousand in in a week overall. So not a great yeah, week for me. I think I dropped fifteen k or something like that. And um, considering the last two years I've been in the top one thousand, it's um, a bit deflating. But I mean, I should be able to recover from here. You'd hope so, but we'll find out how it goes. We'll get your trades at the uh, at the end of the show. What you think? Who you think people should be, uh, you know, bringing in? But are you ready to go with the uh, the footy tips this week? I'm sitting at twenty three out of thirty two so far this year, seventy one percent. Still haven't got that elusive perfect round yet this year, though, Josh. Well, um, I, this week might be the week to do it. Aside from the first two games, I think um, this is your perfect week that might be coming up. So, um, I haven't been great in tipping. Um, I never am. I can always. I always talk the talk. So, um, for all the listeners, please listen to Steve's tips and not mine, because <laughs> more than likely I'm going to get a couple wrong. <laughs> well, my, my only my only guest this year, uh, you know, friends of yours as well, and that's Jake Varicoch and Matt Cosery. They're both in the show, and they got four from eight. So that's what your target is, Josh. I want you to beat four out of eight this week, and you know, you might be invited back before they do if you can get that. That's the hope, and I hope this week, this week, hopefully, um, I should be able to do it. Because looking at the, looking at a few of the games, um, a few of them look pretty one-sided. So, but you never know with the NRL. You never know when a team's not going to turn up. You never know when a team's going to, um, when a, um, a bottom eight team is just going to 
come out of nowhere and just play amazingly. So that's the beautiful thing about the NRL. Well, let's see if we've both got similar tips this week. Let's get straight into the action, and it all kicks off on Thursday night at 7.50 p.m. up there at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle, and the Newcastle Knights, who are two wins, two losses, versus another team that's two, win and two wins and two losses, and that's the Manly Seagulls news coming out this week that Tom Trorovich is going to be on the shelf for at least a month with what I believe is an MCL injury. So that's a huge loss for Manly. They've named Koala to come in at fullback this week. Christian Tupelotu, I believe his name is, comes in in the centres. Um, so they've got a few changes there. Brad Parker's, uh, he had COVID. I don't know if he's been dropped or he's just still out of the team. But Newcastle named a pretty similar lineup to uh, the team that went down to Cronulla last week. So... Thursday night, the action all kicks off for round five. Both of these teams' form have been patchy, to say the least, in the first month of the football. But for Newcastle, promising shines, Josh. They've been very competitive in a lot of their games, including a big win um, in round one over the Roosters. But things have probably gone a little bit uh, sideways over the last few weeks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the Knights started off so well. And I mean, they were up until the... Barnett Sinbin, they were in such a good position in that Penrith game. Penrith weren't playing that well. The Knights were competing with them, and then the Barnett ex- brain explosion happened, and then it all went down from hill from there. You're not going to beat um, Penrith with 12 men for over 40 minutes. That's just not going to work. And then last week, there was a bit more of a step back, so. It's hard to sort of see because the first couple of weeks it was just out of nowhere because I expected Knights to be in the bottom four and to have them come out the way they did to start the season was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I agree, man. And that had that intensity in defence and they still got it four weeks in the competition, which I just did not expect to be there. Interesting to note that in the first two games where they won, obviously, Caelan Ponga didn't really feature in those games. I think he was out of both of them. He's come back in and they haven't won a game yet. I criticised them watching the game last Friday night, and I want to make a note of this, is that when they seemed to be on attack and when they were last Friday night against Cronulla, who have such a good defensive, you know, defensive structures in place this season, they seem to often more than not, go away from what worked in the opening couple of weeks with Clifford and Clune and try to really get Ponga more involved to the point where it felt very forced and Cronulla knew it was coming and their attack just seemed to really falter last week, mate. Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, Tex Hoy in the Penrith game looked phenomenal. He just slotted into the back line extremely well and let, let um, Clifford and Clune do their thing like they did the first two weeks. And last week, it was just, it's almost like they did what Manly do and threw to, threw to Kalen Ponga and there was just no plan in attack. As you said, Sharks were able to read it because it was easy to tell what was coming. Any side of the field that Ponga was on, that's where the ball was going. Clifford wasn't getting the ball enough in attacking situations, which over the last, over the first three weeks, He's been one of their go-tos, and he's been phenomenal in attack. And part of the reason why Newcastle were 2-2 two and two to start the year. Yeah, well, I think it's going to take some time to adjust, but you're right. I don't think anyone really expected that combination of Clune and, 
and Clifford are for so early in the season, or it ought to be honest, but they did it, have done a remarkable job. Uh, great game management shown by both. I think Clune's very underrated in, in how he's been managing these contests for Newcastle, but they've got to find a way to, you know, involve Ponga organically. And, and you know, he's their star player. He's their $1 million player. And obviously reports out this week that he's going to reject an offer from the Dolphins to stay at the Knights, but he needs to definitely get more involved uh, in a game. What about Manly? I mean, they were 0-2 to start their season. They just got over the Bulldogs in round three, but uh, a, a much more dominant performance in round four. Ricky Stewart labelled uh, Cherry Evans as worth his money for his game management skills that we showed, that he showed last week. I don't know if I agree that, you know, that $1.1 million investment has been justified over the 10 years, but obviously he is one of their key men. Tom Jarovic started to find his form, but he's out. Obviously, Tommy's a huge loss for Manly, mate, but how do you see them going this week without Tommy? Is it going to be like the early stages of 2021 where you just don't know what Manly you're going to get and whether they're going to show up at all without Tommy, or do you think there's some better structures in place and um, you know their replacements in this young guy like Koala, are, are, they're better equipped to handle the situation without Tommy for a month this time around? Well, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how they do react. I mean, last year they put Garrick um, in a fullback, and he wasn't—he's not a fullback; he's a winger. Whereas Koala has played fullback um, in the junior grade, so it'll be very interesting to see how he goes into the lineup. Um, he looked good last week. Koala, yeah, he, he was really good, and um, someone who I thought was actually was excellent last week was Josh, Josh Alloway. Um, comes back into the side after, I think he was he was injured the first few weeks. Yep. And he was phenomenal. He, I think he ran over 150 metres. He was just involved in everything. And that's what they've been missing, mainly. Like, you can give Tommy Turbo all the ball in the world, but if your forwards are making metres, making the tackles, doing the hard work, you're not going to get in the game. And I thought that Josh was absolutely fantastic last week on his return back to the side. And he's named back at eight again. So the they've got the props, I think, um, but the, they're up against the Saifidi brothers. So it'll be a good battle of the um, forwards to see how, um, how it goes. And, I mean, with Tommy, anyone who runs over, he ran 289 metres last week, Tommy Trevojevic with a dodgy knee. And if you're if you've got a person like that in your side, you're gonna you're gonna go well. So without Tommy it'll be um, it could be the same old manly from last year with no Tommy. Absolutely. I mean you're right in saying that their forwards really failed to uh to list in those opening few rounds, and especially defensively. I mean, it looked like in the games that they lost against the Roosters and uh, Penrith, obviously, to kick off the year, that up the middle, they just were soft. Um, you know, they started that game against Penrith, in particular, to start the year off strong, and then their middle just kind of disappeared, and so many line breaks through the middle of the field. But they seem like they've aimed up the last few weeks. I mean, they conceded two tries to the Bulldogs in that close victory. Last week, they only let one try in, but the Raiders, let's be honest, were all over the place. So I think it's important... Um, for their forwards, not just to be making metres with the footy, but just to make sure that middle's pretty tight because Croker, you know, he's done a solid job in in at Hooker and he makes 40 to 50 tackles a game, but he's not a traditional forward. So, you know, I think that Manly are just missing a little bit of strike power um, there, but also, um, you know, as I mentioned, their defence 
it, it, it still needs to be better for me. And I think that Newcastle, um, got with players like Saifidi and Frizzell, can could really you know open Manly up through the middle of the foot uh, through the middle of the field. So it'll be you're right. It'll be an interesting battle up front. Um, as I mentioned, they were, their record without Tom Tarovic is atrocious, really, Manly. They've won some games, but they don't win many. Um, in front of a home crowd at Newcastle, who do you have this weekend, Josh, and, and, and why? Um, well, I mean, the last three games the Knights have won against Manly, and I'm expecting that to continue. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game um, uh, with a lot of... I think it's going to be a very defensive-oriented game. And I mean, we've seen the Knights with their defensive resolve in the first couple of weeks, and if they can get on top of Manly's forwards early, the bench for Manly is just, apart from Paseca, I don't rate it at all. So what do we got? We got Paseca, Kepi, Lawton, and Walker. Kepi and Walker. Whereas Walker can bring some attacking flair, but he's not going to help in defence, and I think the... Forward battle is going to be what's going to win this game, and um, I've, I've got the Knights by four. You got the Knights uh, by four in a tight game. Yeah, I mean, this is a really tough one for me to tip because, as I mentioned, I just don't know. Newcastle's we know they can score points. We know that points in them because of the opening few rounds, but I just have not been very impressed by what I saw last Friday night in particular. It really worried me. Um, with their structures in attack and obviously Ponga trying to get him involved organically. On paper, you look at these two sides, you probably give the advantage to Newcastle. Um, but I think Manly, um, after two losses to start their season, I think that they're going to be up for this contest. I reckon that, you know, no Trom Tarovic, they're going to have a, a point to prove whether they do or not remains to be seen. But I just think that the last two weeks has given them some confidence. I think. Uh, Cherry Evans is really starting to play a good brand of football in terms of game management. Um, so yeah, if if they're forward back and aim up, then I just think that Manly might have more points in them than than Newcastle. So I'm actually going to tip Manly. I'm going to go the other way to start the round, Josh. I'm going to go Manly by six. So uh, that my, um, my other tip was Manly by one. I I was umming and ahhing. Those were my two tips. Um, just because man, uh, just because DCE has kicked so many field goals, but I completely understand. I was fifty fifty on this, on this one. Well, we can both agree that we hope at least that it will be a better quality Thursday night game than when we saw what we saw last week. Yes, that uh, I'm assuming we're not going to get a worse Thursday night game um, in a long time. So. Maybe ever. Yes, <laughs> it was atrocious last last week. So, uh, yeah, let's hope for a better match for sure to kick off round five. All right, let's move on to the Friday night games now, and it's a, another game that has a lot of pundits out there divided. And it's from Morton Daly Stadium up there in Queensland, the Warriors at their you know home for the first half of the season, at least hosting the North Queensland Cowboys. Both of these teams, I believe, are also two wins and two losses. Um, yeah, the Warriors won two, haven't they? Yeah, they yeah. yes, yes. The Warriors won two. So yeah, two te- uh, two wins, two losses, both of these teams. The Cowboys play another game up there in Queensland. Um but yeah, they weren't at their best last week, the Cowboys, and they're versing a Warriors team that has suddenly seemed to hit a little bit of form with the return of Sean Johnson last week. So both of these teams pretty similar to what we saw in round four. Um I believe the Hammer is hurt. I believe he's out of the team this week. Scott Drinkwater yeah. plays his two first wins. yeah, he plays his first game of the season at fullback um, in the NRL. So 
be interesting to see how he combines with Dearden and Townsend. Um, but how have you seen these two teams so far this year, Josh? I mean, for me, I didn't really predict any of these teams to make a dent to the finals um, contention at the start of the season. But, you know, the Cowboys in particular have surprised some people uh, to start 2022. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, they the round one loss to the Bulldogs, I mean, that could have gone either way. And it's... Um, the next two weeks um, over the Raiders, I think, was an absolutely phenomenal game. They played absolutely brilliantly. Did not expect them to win that game. And with so many people expecting North Queensland to be near last this year, um, yeah, they came out and surprised me. Kind of like Newcastle, they just they played really well early. And, I mean, last week was definitely a step back. They were just outclassed by a Roosters attack that was absolutely on point for the first time this year. So it'll be very interesting to see how they back it up. They've got um, Tommy Dearden, Townsend. Townsend's a very um, experienced player, but I don't know if he has the legs to lead this North Queensland attack all year. So it'll be very interesting to see how they come after a tough loss, um, come out against the Warriors team who's won two in a row. Well, it will be interesting as well because, I mean, Scott Drinkwater, let's, you could argue, was one of the Cowboys' best players last season and he yeah, he's found himself fantastic. starting in reserve grade. So, I mean, yeah. you mentioned Townsend. If he plays good at fullback, maybe down the line we could see a potential drinkwater in combination. But for me, the Cowboys' forward pack is very much a confidence-based forward pack. We've seen them at their best this season, but last week the likes of Nenai, um, Lukey, uh, Griffin Neem, these guys... Um, you know, reversing a much more experienced forward pack that the Roosters kind of uh, brought out, and guys like Hargraves and, and Radley were really up for the contest. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. Obviously, young players, it's kind of a week-to-week basis, but I think that's kind of my take on the Cowboys from seeing them in four weeks. You just don't know what Cowboys team you're going to get. And I can say the same about the Warriors. I mean, they've been all over the place. Uh, Nathan Brown... Um, Obviously, they beat the Tigers in round three, but he said, I don't think we'll see a, a team play worse and win. Well, we saw the Titans win last Thursday <laughs> night. But, I mean, let's be honest. They're a little bit all over the place, but they looked a little bit more composed with Johnson back in halfback last week. Yeah, um, with with Johnson at the helm, they looked a lot more in control, and I guess that's what makes a good halfback, being able to control the side. And just looking at the forward pack... Um, I know we talked about. I know you talked about the Cowboys. The Warriors' forward pack just looks so much better to me. I mean, the starting props. You got Matty Lodge, Bunty Afoa. Bunty Afoa has been just a consistent, um, not one of the best props in the game, but he's been consistent over the last couple of years. And just with the firepower that the Warriors have in the forward pack, I think even without Adam Fanua Blake. Who's a big loss. He's a big yep. He's still named in the reserve, so there is a chance that he might be named come game day. But I think it's probably not not good to risk him this early in the season. You'd rather you'd rather your um, most important players take as much time as you need to get back into the game rather than wasting them this early. 
I'm inter inter really interested to see how Walsh and Johnson combine as well. I mean, they haven't really played much apart from, you know, round one, much footy together at all. So it'll be interesting to see if Johnson can really get the best out of Walsh and get him into the game. He looked pretty good last week, but, you know, he is a player that's touted as having such a, you know, huge future ahead of him. So I'm interested to see how the Warriors use him and now Nathan Brown use him. It's going to be a good battle up front because, as I mentioned, those young forwards and the Cowboys... You mentioned the Warriors Ford Pack. They're really versed in the, those experienced campaigners, Lodge and and uh, Egan and Afoa. There's some some guys that have been around for a while for them, but they've still got youth themselves. I mean, Josh Curran playing out of his skin. Um, he's really stepped up in in Tohu Harris's absence this season. So it's going to be a good battle up front. I think that whoever can control it um, has more. You know, whoever can control that forward battle and win that forward battle uh, will score more points and win this game. I just I don't get excited when I see the lineups and see these guys are playing each other. I've got to admit, Josh, this this game on paper isn't. Look, it looks like it could be an error fest. Could be a lot of drop ball. Um, but I I am leaning the way of the Warriors personally. Yeah, that's that's the same with me. I mean, with Johnson there, I think just having having him in your side is just such a. Even though he's a bit older now, he's still improved the Warriors last week. I mean, Jesse Arthur's, I thought, has been pretty good this year so far. Um, he's looked good to the eye. I don't know, his stats. But um, just he's looked good in the centres. I think he's on loan to the Warriors this year yes. from the Broncos, yep. from memory. But I don't remember. But, um, I mean, just with the lineups, I think North Queensland's forward pack is just too weak. Uh, Josh Curran's probably one of my favourite players going around at the moment. He just wears his heart on his sleeve, he just tries hard, and I think the Warriors will just have a bit too much for him. Yeah, I think that if, if Cowboys are to win this game, it's going to have to be from a Tom Dearden special, and he's going to have to be man of match again. He's been outstanding this season, but I've got the Warriors a bit too strong. I've got the Warriors by 12 points on Friday night. How much do you have the Warriors by, Josh? Uh, I've got the Warriors by six. By six. A little bit closer, but um, just because of the amount of drop ball there will be, I think it'll just be a bit of a tighter game. Absolutely. All right, well, that is our first match of Friday Night Football. Let's get to the main event on Friday night now, and it's um, from, coming from Suncorp Stadium up there at 7.55. The Brisbane Broncos hosting the Sydney Roosters. The Roosters looked uh, a lot better last week. They're easily their best performance of the year with that big win over the Cowboys. The Broncos started the year on fire, two from two. Now they find themselves two from four, and you could argue it was probably their worst performance um, last weekend, or, or really the last two weekends, they've been pretty bad. But last week in particular, they just seemed to have nothing in attack, and Adam Reynolds seemed to be visibly frustrated. So it's going to be a big game on Friday night up there at Suncorp. I expect a big crowd. Uh, but do you think, Josh, that this recent form and, and how good the Roosters were last week is really the start of a big campaign in 2022? How did you see them go last week? And uh, as I said, their fours really stepped up. Um, Guys like Radley and, and, and Hargraves and Connor Watson that really struggled in that game against the Rabbitohs look the best they have so far this season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, just their attack. Uh, the last, the first three weeks of the season, their attack didn't really gel. Um, I know Kiri's coming back from an ACL, so he's the obvious one to sort of take a bit of time to get into the game. But the rest of them, I mean, Teddy and Walker pretty much played together all year last year, and Teddy just didn't seem to be gelling with the attack 
at all the first three weeks. They won against Manly, but even in patches, they just balls were um, being thrown behind people. It was just didn't look fluent. But last week, as you said, it was a full team performance. The forwards were up, the backs were up. They just were playing some good footy. And North Queensland, no matter how good they've been playing this year, there was no way they could have beaten the Roosters on that night. They were just not losing that game. Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 interesting because a lot of his huge expectations around the Roosters this season, but they're also, you know, in a little bit of a miss of a rebuild with, with you know, their halves haven't really played much football together. I thought that, um, I think that it's still a work in progress there, but they just outclassed the Cowboys last Saturday night. And, mate, the Broncos, they are just... They've got... So, Kelly's hurt. Billy Walters is in. Obviously, we've got the controversy between Payne Huss and, and uh, Abbott Kelly that we've seen throughout the weekend from a couple of weekends ago. Um, at the moment, New South Wales police are investigating that. I don't know if there'll be any charges laid, but really, the Broncos have bigger problems at the moment. That's fixing their on-field stuff because um, their defence hasn't been... Uh, what it was in the first two rounds. I mean, their defense against the Rabbitohs was unbelievable in round one. They didn't really, they really frustrated CRC out of the game and, and Cody Walker in particular. Um, they seemed to not have that same intensity four weeks in. And um, really, for me, last week against the Warriors, they seemed like a frustrated team. And they already seemed like a little bit of a tired team, the Broncos. So, worrying signs there. Um, Billy Walters will add a lot of energy this week, but Kevin Walters has a big job ahead of him to get them back. Um, to really being up for every contest. And this is not an easy one on Friday night against the Roosters. How do you see the Broncos um, going this Friday, mate? And, and do you think they can they can turn around after a poor couple of weeks? It would be really interesting. I mean, the loss of Pat Carrigan is such a massive deal because he's been coming back from a major injury. He's been absolutely amazing to watch. Just the amount he tries for that team. It's like Payne Haas. You've got Haas and Carrigan, one in the front row, one at lock or the second row. And they just wear their heart on their sleeve. They just try as hard as they can. And the loss of Paddy Carrigan is going to be massive and potentially to see how the integrity unit goes along with um, the Payne Haas controversy. They could even lose Payne Haas. There's always that sort of chance of that happening. So in one week losing, potentially losing your second row leader and your front row leader basically gone from the game. It's going to be very difficult for the Broncos. But if Payne Haas plays, he's still going to play well. I mean, their defence just was nothing last week. They just, as you said, they looked tired. They looked out of it. And, I mean, the attack just... You've got Tony Staggs in the centres, who's one of the most damaging centres of the game, who isn't getting any ball at all. And they just don't go to that side. And Selwyn Cobbo tries when he can, when he can, but I just don't understand the tactics. Um, the, especially last week, I mean, I just, and the week before, I just didn't get it didn't get what they were trying to do in attack and they just looked a bit lost and I mean I don't think Reynolds is used to this he's used to being on back on the back of a spine and he's used to playing with Cody Walker where he's able to gel so well but I think he just hasn't found that partner yet at the Broncos and 
Kevin Walters is trying, but he's um, got to figure got to figure it out fast. I mean, you mentioned Stags. I want to mention Capewell as well. They're both playing the edges there. Capewell in the second row, so he's doing a little bit of work there. But he's only averaging, I think, he's averaging less than ten carries a game. I just they don't they don't seem to be shifting out to their to their strike power very well or Brisbane, you're right. And that might be because, as you mentioned, the 5-8 partner, Albert Kelly played good in that game against the Broncos, and uh, against the Rabbitohs, sorry. And, um, you know, but as you mentioned, the last couple of weeks it hasn't worked. But I think Billy Walters could be a sign that they could be on the up and up a little bit in terms of, obviously, Kelly's hurt. But I think that he's going to add a little bit of spark that the Broncos are, are desperately needing at the moment. So I actually like that appointment in, in with Reynolds. You let Reynolds can, you know, game manage. You let Billy Walters run the football and try to create some space there on the edges for Brisbane. But, yeah, it's going to be a tough contest this week. I think the Roosters are starting to really hit, really hit some good form. Tedesco didn't play well in that game against the Rabbitohs, but he was outstanding last week. Um... Joseph Manu had a big game. Their forward pack really stepped up. And their young forwards, Butcher and Tupanua, are doing a lot of damage um, on those edges there for the Broncos as well, to the point where Angus Crichton finds himself still on the bench. So I think there's a lot of upside on the Roosters. I think they they usually start seasons very slowly, but I think they're on the rise, and I think they're going to be way too good uh, for the Broncos on Friday night. I've got the Roosters by 24 um, because, I, as I said, I think the, the Broncos... Just like a lot of these bottom teams, it's going to be a week-to-week um, proposition in terms of if they're in games. And I think that it's just these some of these big score lines we're getting like we did last week. I think we were caught in an illusion the first three weeks that this competition was going to be very close. But I think we're really starting to see some of these good teams like the Roosters, Penrith, Melbourne, Cronulla. And, I mean, obviously, South had a tough draw, but... Obviously, they look like they've got a bit of potential there as well. I think you're seeing those good teams start to rise, and I don't know if some of these uh, struggling teams can kind of rise with them, Josh. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, uh, I think this year will... We have seen the last couple of years where it's been a massive difference between the top and the bottom. I actually think it's going to be a tighter bottom eight this year, I think, because we can't really pick between these couple of sides, but... These bigger sides, exactly as you said, like the Roosters, they warm up in attack. And once Kiri gets used to playing after an ACL, if he can go through the whole season, come finals time, the Roosters are going to be a very scary side. I mean, um, this week could be anything. It could uh, sucks for Broncos fans, but it really could be anything this week. If the Roosters play like they did last week... Um, could be a cricket score put on. How much you got um, the Roosters, boy? Um, I've tipped 16, but again, it could be anything. <laughs> Giving a bit of respect to the Broncos there. All right, those are our Friday night games. Josh, let me know if you're on a break, mate, but I'm just going to keep frying through these games. Are you happy to continue? He looks like he's happy to continue. Let's do it. Let's go to my favorite time of the week now. It is Super Saturday, and I love some Super Saturday, Josh. I love having a few beers on a Saturday. This weekend, I'm going up to the one of the games, the second game of the, of the big Super Saturday, so um, it's going to be a good time. A good time had for sure, but the first game, it kicks off at 3 p.m., when the Canberra Raiders host the Melbourne Storm from Wagga Wagga. Um, back to a little bit of a more country ground, and they're not in Canberra, obviously, but, uh, you know, Canberra, 
They really struggled last week against against Manly. They seemed like that camber from the first half of that Titans game from a few weeks ago when everything was just going wrong and they, they had really had nothing um, to compete against Manly last week, especially in attack. Um, they're versing a Melbourne Storm team that really proved that they don't have two bad performances in a row because they absolutely destroyed the Canterbury Bulldogs. And they looked like they didn't really even get out of second gear. And that's how much they were smashing the Bulldogs. Um, Pabba House with four tries, 28 points. Um, it was a just a demolition last Sunday afternoon. But these two teams, they've got a big history against each other. I mean, there's been some big semi-finals between them over the past few years. Canberra usually step up against the Melbourne Storm in some of these big games. But... Uh, both teams, similar lineups. Josh, how do you see this game going down on Saturday afternoon? And, mate, what a sight it was to see the Storm just score so many points without even really playing that well, I don't think. Yeah, look, um, I was driving home um, back to Canberra that um, day when the I was listening to it on the radio and I could just feel my Supercoach week going down <laughs> even further with every Pappenhausen um, involvement. But, I mean, um, the Stormer have always been and will always be a scary side. As you said, They, in parts, they didn't look like they went full-on against the Bulldogs, especially Hughes and Munster. They had very quiet games. But when you've got someone like Pappenhausen, he just... The way he runs onto the ball and the way he just can split the defence in half is just absolutely incredible. I mean, you've got such good attacking weapons in that side, and Pappenhausen was <laughs> the main attraction that game. And um, I thought Xavier Coates was really good as well. So, um, it's yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I don't know what to make of Canberra this year. I just... They're just all over the shop. They just either really struggle in attack, really struggle in defence, and they just... It's very strange because they're so used to Canberra being fairly consistent sides, especially in the year that they made the finals. And then from there, they've just been disappointing, just fading away in games, as they call them, the faders. I just I just don't know what to make of the Raiders this year. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I just never know what you're going to get with them. I mean, obviously, the, the Fogarty injury didn't help in the start of the year, but I think Schneider's probably been one of their shining lights. Jack Wyden has been really good for him as well, but you just never know what their forwards are going to do. I mean, how much does Papa Lee have left? He's been a great player over the years, but, uh, I mean, I don't think he's playing his best football. Tarquin A, Hudson Young, they just seem to be all kind of form-based players for me, and... You know, Melbourne's mentality over the last few years has been the next man up, but you look at their forward pack, Bromwich, Nelson, Sof Solomona, Kafusi, Bromwich, Kenny Bromwich, a lot of these guys are leaving next year, but like some of these young guys, Josh King, uh, Alex McDonald, they're just coming and doing a great job. Josh King in particular has made that uh, that lock position his own already for Melbourne. Um, and how do you beat a side where you got Grant, Smith, Hughes, Munster, Pappyhouse? And as you mentioned, Hughes and Munster were very quiet last week. But they didn't really have to do anything apart from, you know, game managing and, and, and kick the ball because Pavahouse was just on fire. And if he doesn't explode, you're just going to get the next man up. It's going to be great dominating or, or Munster or Hughes. It just seems like you're going to have to be at your very best to beat Melbourne this year like the Eels were, especially defensively, um, a couple of weekends ago. And, you know, how, how can you tip Canberra with how, you know, 
inconsistent and all over the place they've been so far to start 2022. Yeah, I mean, um, Josh King has been an absolute revelation. Uh, revelation, sorry. I mean, he was playing 35 minutes at Newcastle, and Bellamy does what Bellamy does, and he's picked him out, and he's playing 60 minutes, and it's just, it's been wild. But I mean, with with everything that the that the um, that Melbourne did last week, and they played really well against Parramatta as well. Like either team could have won that game, and it's just one of those games where um, it's split fifty fifty, and that's what you want the good games to be. That's what you want the top six games. You don't want them to be drops. You want them to be fifty fifties. So I think after two golden point games to come out and flog the Bulldogs like they did. As with the Roosters, Melbourne are just warming up and it could be scary. Yeah, I'm going to go... Wagga wagga. Uh, what are you tipping them by? I'm going to tip... I guess I'm both tipping Melbourne. I'm, I'm going Melbourne by 18. Yeah, I've gone Melbourne by 20. Pretty close there. I think we're both in agreement. Uh, Melbourne going to be way too good for the Raiders and... You know, it'd be a huge scare of the Raiders can upset and get it done. I just don't see it happening. So, um, all right, let's move on. Let's move on to the five thirty game. It's a game that I'll be attending as a, as a Rabbitohs member. It's been a few years since I've been a South Sydney Rabbitohs member, but obviously hasn't been a great start to the season. They've only won one game. They're versus another team that's only won one game. It's the Rabbitohs versus the Dragons from five thirty at Acor Stadium, uh, the the new named ANZ Stadium. Josh, I'm going to get to my thoughts in a minute. Um, with how I think both teams are travelling, mate. But obviously, Parramatta, they destroyed the Dragons. South Sydney have had some tough opposition over the last three weeks. How have you seen both these teams so far this year? And um, who do you think has the, uh, the, the bigger upside in how they're playing at the moment? I think definitely the Rabbitohs. I mean, the completion rate of the Rabbitohs has just been appalling. I think if the Rabbitohs can hold on to the ball... Because last week they had 44% possession and 65% completions. Like, that's just absolute insanity in a, <laughs> in a game. And it's just very, very strange that they have been so inconsistent with their ball handling, with their errors, just with in general play. And I think... Having Latrell Mitchell out for a little while sort of hurt them a little bit, but I think Rabbitohs can warm up. They just need to hold on to the ball. They need to keep it just simple. Hold on to the ball, and I think they will win games, whereas the Dragons, I mean, they weren't in the game last week at all. They just... They grinded for a little bit, got, got got into the back end of the game with a with a try before halftime and then scored at the end of the game, but they were nowhere near Parramatta. And, I mean, they just haven't impressed me. I mean, the fact that they axed their fullback and 5'8 is screaming that Griffin is panicking already. And to cut cut the fullback in your 5'8 so early on in their career, it's just, I think it's damaging to the club. Uh, it's just, it shows just dragons have consistently done this where they just hit the panic button very early. Whereas 
if you just give them some time, it'll eventually come. But, I mean, Mbai looked awful for the first 20 minutes and Parramatta really got on top because of some errors that he made, both he, in attack and in defence. He's not a so, fullback. Mbai's not a fullback. He's not a fullback. He's, and maybe, maybe five, six years ago, he could have played fullback. And I think he did from bits and pieces, but he's not a fullback now. No. Nope. And I just don't know what to make of the Dragons. I think the charity charity shield will be ringing <laughs> the Rabbitohs' heads on Saturday. And uh, Matt Cosgrew hasn't stopped talking it up, mate. So we're going together. It's going to be some uh, good uh, revenge on Saturday afternoon. I hope he's listening to this, but uh, it's going to be a good arvo. But, uh, yeah, I agree, man. I mean, you look at all those changes they made with dropping the 5-8 and the fullback, um, Salona and Amone, and I've been critical... Um, not critical, but I've been very much of the opinion so far this year on the podcast that it's going to be a week-in-week out proposition for these players because of you know their first big season in the NRL. There's a lot of pressure on them. But I don't know if dropping them after three rounds is the answer. And uh, Salone, I think defensively he's been fine. I think you've just got to get him involved in the game more. And I just don't think the Haas have been able to do it. Ben Hunt's trying. He's probably been their best player again this season. But ben Hunt has just tried in and out, and I mean, Amone, it probably isn't the best option for for Ben Hunt. I I do agree with, I do agree with that. He just yep. looks a bit. Uh, he just doesn't offer much in attack. He just passes more of a passenger, ball. yeah, to the to the game yeah. and lets Ben Hunt control it. But uh, I mean, but yeah, alone, I just don't get it. He. It looks good in attack when he gets the ball. Maybe Jack Bird at five eight might be the answer there. That's who they named. I they, they I reckon they definitely went in that veteran kind of let's get the experienced guys in to try to really out muscle Parramatta, but obviously went sideways and those decisions have to be questioned. And if you're going to put a moan back to the bench, what value do you get out of him? Where do you put him in? I just I, I don't understand the logic there from the Dragons. I think Embiid would be better at the fourteen. I think you've got to get Sloan back in there. And then you can try to get build something between McCulloch, who obviously has missed some football, Hunt, Bird, and Amone, uh, and Sloan, sorry, not Amone. But um, if you're not, if Amone is not ready, don't play him. But uh, I guess yeah. I, I guess we'll see how they go for the rest of the season. I mean, I think on the opposite side, see how Sydney. You're right. If they hang on to the ball, they could have beat Melbourne easily if they hang on to the ball. They lose 15-14, but they blew so many chances in that game a couple of weekends ago. See us. It was so frustrating to watch. They were in the game against Penrith at a certain point last weekend, but again, couldn't hang on to the football. They keep they, they increase that. I think Ilias had his best game easily in the NRL last weekend. I think he was really good. Stepped up against the yeah. Premiers. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing, an, uh, and I think Latrell's starting to get better. Walker's starting to find his groove a little bit, which he hasn't had this season. I just think that CS after verse and, you know, the Roosters, Penrith, Melbourne, in, in, in three weeks, back-to-back-to-back, they're battle-hardened, and I can see them, even though, you know, uh, Mantles takes Paulo's spot, who really cares? I mean, Mantles' defence hasn't been great, that's true. Dragons might be able to expose that. I just think this yes. could be a flogging on Saturday, and that's n- no disrespect to St. George, because, as I said, they've got problems they have to figure out, but I think CR Sydney are battle-hardened and ready to prove that they're better than a one-and-free start of the season, and the, they've got the next month, I know they've got the Dragons, the Bulldogs, the Tigers, I think CF can go on a big march, and I think they're going better than some people think when they look at their record, because they've had some tough opponents, I think Cam Murray's been fantastic, and I think this is really going to be the week where we see guys like Walker and Latrell really step up, and I think CF will be able to pile on the points, because 
I just don't know if the Dragons are committed enough defensively, and I don't know where they're scoring points. So I've just got the Rabbitohs by a big score. I've got the Rabbitohs by 40 in this game to really, uh, yeah, I'm going to go 40. I reckon this is going to be a huge score. So I just I, did, I just don't like what I'm seeing from the Dragons at the moment. What about you? I've gone more conservative, but I do agree with the fact that the Rabbitohs are going to win. I mean... I think they're going to get better with their possession. Currently, for the year, they're sitting at sixty-nine percent percent of possession, and you're not going to win game. You're not going to win um, two out of four, three out of four games if you're completing at that low. Um, I've got the Rabbitohs by sixteen. Um, I think it will be getting to a good position for the Bunnies. I still think there's going to be some errors in the game, which will sort of affect their point scoring. Yeah, they'll just be way too good for the Dragons. All right, let's move on. We're running out of time. I mean, I it's time's getting away from this year, Josh. Let's quickly fire through uh, the rest of these games. 7.30 on Saturday, it's the Gold Coast Titans versus the Parramatta Eels up there at Seabus Super Stadium. Um, Parramatta, you know, we've already talked about how good they've been this year, um, and especially last week. It was a great performance. They're versus the Titans team. That brings back some firepower. Herman SES is back. Bo Firma's back. He had COVID. Uh, Philip Semi comes back into the centres. Uh, Brian Kelly and, and Eason Masters are out. But uh, let's be honest, it was a terrible performance by the Titans last weekend. They managed to get the two points somehow. Still don't know how um, they, they did pull that out. Uh, but it, it's a much tougher proposition this week against the Eels Tide that's really starting to play some good football. Eels usually... Uh, you know, panic a little bit in some of these easy-to-win games they've thrown over the last few years. But, um, you know, the Titans, their, their spine is very young still. Um, Brimson and, and, and Sexton haven't played much football together. Asako's still at fullback. Um, he didn't have his best game last week um, to start his Titans career. And really, I just think that Parramatta are going to have way too much. And I think this is a story about a lot of these games this weekend that I just think... Um, you know, obviously they played in round one. The Titans really took them to the limit, but I think it could be a little bit more this weekend. Oh, for sure. I mean, um, the way the Titans played against the Tigers, the Tigers were woeful, and the Titans were woeful as well. I mean, they shouldn't have even celebrated that win when they won that. To be considered, they want to be one of the best teams, and they dredged out that performance against the Tigers. I mean, they don't know how to use... David Fafida. Fafida's just consistently running um, just running decoys and he they don't give him the ball. Last year gave him the ball, he made some tackle breaks early and then later on would score a try in the game because he's worrying defenders. But defence don't have to worry about him because he's not getting the ball. So you don't have to worry about him. And then I mean Azarko, it's very hard to come into a side and play fullback, and I think he really struggled last week, and I think he will struggle again this week, especially with Mitch Moses, Mitch's, Mitch Moses' bombs. I think that'll be think, yeah. the telling point. I think he'll make a few errors, and I mean, I just don't know what to again don't know what to think about this Titans team. You've got such a big gap in between the big, the best sides and the average sides and unfortunately I think it's going to be a tough after tough night for the Titans where, where, how much do you think Parramatta by? I've got Parramatta by 16 I don't know if we have to talk too much about this game because I think that the Titans are a team that no. um, they might get up for a little bit but they're not going to get the job done I've got Parramatta by 16 
Yeah, well, I got the Eels by 16 as well. Oh, look at that. I'm very happy that Sammy got um, named because I'm expecting Gutho to have a blind up, score a try, and do the Gutharino right in um, right in Sammy's face. So, very <laughs> I'd love that for my super coach. It'll be a sweet revenge moment. You're right. All I'm right. Let's move on. Super Saturday's done and dusted. We're on Sunday football now. And from Point Bet Stadium um, at Cronulla's new ground there, uh, they're heading uh, into battle against the West Tigers, who has zero wins, four losses. Obviously, the pressure's on. All the talk around the, the rugby league world at the moment is on the West Tigers and what they can do to save their season. Well, they pretty much named a similar side. And really, Josh, you can't really uh, question the effort that the Tigers players had last week, but... Really, so much drop balls. It was just one of the worst games you've ever seen in your life. But I do think that the Tigers had a go. But they're nursing a Cronulla side that have just been um, on fire to start their season. They've only lost one game, and it was a tight loss to Canberra. But since Craig Fitzgibbon's really been at the helm, they've really been a very disciplined side defensively. They're scoring a lot of points. Nico Hines been outstanding. Um, so Sifa Talakai in the centres has been relentless. He's been a, a powerhouse out there. And guys like Teague Wilden really playing the best football around some experienced heads like Manukin and, and, and Cameron McInnes. So, man, it's going to be a tough ask again for the Tigers. How do you see this one playing out on Sunday afternoon, Josh? I mean... If you're a Tigers fan, I don't think it's going to be a good afternoon. Um, I, if the Tigers, they, they, as you said, they did try, but if they play anything like they played against the Titans, the Sharks are just going to be way too good. The Sharks this year have just been phenomenal. I mean, just Will Kennedy is one of the was one of the most underappreciated underappreciated fullbacks in the NRL. He just tries and tries and tries and. As you said, you've got such good young talent mixed with really experienced heads like Dal Finucan and just the way their squad is structured is going to be a massive danger for September because they are playing really well at the moment and if they continue out through the year, um, look our Sharkies, it's going to be a good year for you. Absolutely. Um, all right, I think I think the Tigers are going to be up for the task. I've just got Cronulla being a little bit too strong. Obviously, Brooks has been the man of contention and how he's going to make $1.1 million next year. I've got no idea. Yes. But I think Madden's been strong um, for him since he's come in. Obviously, Hastings is still suspended there. Um, I think they'll be up for the challenge, the Tigers. I just, As you mentioned, I just think the Sharks got way too much firepower. Um, I've got Cronulla by 10. I think it'll be closer than a lot of people think. But I think Cronulla just got too much firepower at the end of the day. Yeah, I've, uh, I've gone the opposite. I've gone Sharks by 22. Okay. Sharks, they're going to run right. Absolutely. All right, let's get to the last game of the round. Um, I mean, I think this one will be a quick one as well, and then we can get to our best bets in our Supercoach Buys of the Week. But uh, from Combeck Stadium at 6.15 on Sunday afternoon, it's the Canterbury Bulldogs hosting the Penrith Panthers. The Panthers undefeated, the only team undefeated in 2022. Cleary came back last week. They... Uh, the, the Rabbitohs, you know, they, they didn't make it easy for themselves, but it was a big occasion, the grand final rematch, and Penrith were way too good. Edwards has been enormous this year. Isaiah Yo has been really the key man um, leading the front, and Luai played some of his best football he's played in a while last week, and the young guys in the outside backs there for Penrith, Targo and May, are playing really good football as well. They're versing a, uh, a Bulldogs side that they're one from four. They won a tight match in round one, Um I thought they would really concede a lot of points against Manly a couple of weeks ago. They didn't. But as I said, it's going to be a learning experience with some of these new players. Their attack still hasn't fired, and we saw a 44-0 uh, 
uh, demolition against uh, Melbourne, where they, they went down last weekend. How do you see these two teams going, mate? Um, obviously, one team's playing great football, or at least you know winning all their games, and, and one are really struggling at the moment in the Bulldogs. Well, it's just the same old for the Dogs. It's just you you can't you can't fault their commitment. You can't fault their they trying on the field. And but at the moment they're averaging seven points a game, which there is no way in twenty twenty two you're going to win a game with seven points a game. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, their attack is just non-existent. Same as last year. I think they had one massive game where they won 38-0 versus the Tigers at the very end. But they're t- Burton tries hard, but there's nothing there. They just... They get into the 20 and just have... It's just telegraphed plays. It'll be a one out to Dufty. Dufty will try and throw over. It's And then Burton will try hard, but they just don't know how to use Matty Burton. And Matty Burton was such a good centre because he was such a good attacking. He could break tackles, but at the moment, all the attack's on him. Big, I was about to say, to big, in, big in with Flanagan this week. He had yes, the chance. Well, a much warranted chance. He's been out of the team for a long period of time. Well, he just seems to be out on the edges of the Bulldogs, no matter how Phil Gould says that he's not. Um, Flanagan just... He needs to step up and make this side his own and let Matt Burton be an attacking force. So Kyle Flanagan's going to run around the team. Um, I don't think this week is going to be the week where it happens, and I'm really worried that... On the back of this game, Kyle Flanagan will get dropped again because it's and that would be un- unfair. It's not going to be his fault when they it would when be they very unfair. But you never know with the way the Bulldogs and the way Trent Barrow works. I mean, it's just their attack is just watching paint dry. It's just awful. All right, mate. Well, what do you have it? I mean, I, I think the Bulldogs are going to be in for a tough afternoon. I think it's a week-to-week proposition. I think they can still win some games in 2022, but I've just got Penrith being way too good. I've got Penrith by 30. I've got Penrith by 32. All right. Let's uh, wrap up our team of the week. We're running out of time, as I mentioned, but uh, we'll get to our best bets and super coach in a minute. But let's just recap our rounds. On Thursday night, uh, I've got... Manly, you've got Newcastle, Josh... And then I believe yeah. we're all the same for the rest of the weekend. We've got the yeah. Warriors to beat the Cowboys, the Bronco. Uh, sorry, the Roosters to beat the Broncos. We've got uh, the Storm too strong for the Raiders. Souths being too good for St George. Parramatta getting revenge on Philip Sammy from round one on <laughs> Saturday night with a big win. Uh, Cronulla being too strong for the Tigers, and Penrith being too strong for the Bulldogs. We'll be back in a moment. All right, so those are our footy tips for round five. Pretty similar, Josh. This is why I've got you on the show, because great minds think alike. And, you know, we're going to get to the segment of the show that I like to call Steve's Best Bets. And this week it's Steve and Josh's Best Bets. I got an $8 winner last week, and it was uh, the Sharks with 10... Uh, sorry, the Tigers with 10.5 start against the Titans. Obviously, that... I mean, that was the only reason to watch that game, if you had a, had a bet on it. Um, then I had the Storm 13+, plus, which was 220 and that was easy money. Really, and then I had the uh, the Eels thirteen plus against the Dragons, and all those three got up for sure. So, I mean, this week the pressure's on again to provide the goods. 
Josh, I mean, I don't know how much you love your moldies. I know you like your same game moldies, but do you have anything, before I get to my bet, do you have anything cooking this week in terms of a little bit of value for our listeners? I know, um, you know, we're not the... I mean, I like a punt. I know that you're not the biggest punter in the world, but you've got a, a little bit of little bit of inside scoop there in terms of bets this week, mate. Well, um, take it from me, listeners. Uh, you don't want to listen to me. I have a horrific, horrific... Um, track record of betting so um, if you're going to listen to someone listen to Westy but um, I'm going to I'm going to jump on the 13 plus train I think there's going to be quite a few big scores this week um, so you could go you could go Melbourne you could go Para but I know the Sharks and I know the Sharks and Penrith are the longest odds they're paying I know the their opposites are $7 so I think um Melbourne thirteen plus, Para thirteen plus, and Rabbits thirteen plus. Probably where you're going to get the best value, because um the the betting odds are a lot closer than um the Sharks and the Penrith game. So three thirteen pluses, Melbourne Rabbits Eels. Don't know how much it is. I'll work it out for you, Westy, while you talk about yours, no. and then um <laughs> let you know. No problem. <laughs> well, I like. I'm just looking at mine. And trying to get some some value for our listeners, and I think that what I'm going to go this week is so just have a look. Give me one second. Let's, okay, this is great radio. I love it. Uh, we're killing it. We're killing it right now. I know it's just fantastic. I am going to go Parramatta thirteen plus. So what was your bet? Sorry, can you repeat your bet? Because I don't know what so the same. Melbourne thirteen plus. The Rabbitohs thirteen plus and the Eels thirteen plus. Okay, so I won't put Param. I don't want to be too close to yours. I want us to get a little bit different. I've got the, I've got the Warriors head to head a dollar ninety. Like the value, you never really be too confident on the Warriors, but I think they're a decent shot this week um, against the Cowboys. I'm going to put that in with CS thirteen plus two dollars twenty five. That's probably the bet of the week. Just CS thirteen plus. As I said, I predicted them by forty, so I think thirteen plus is is good, and um, I'm going to put those two in. With the Tigers, with 17 and a half starts. As long as the Tigers don't lose by 18 or more, I'm good. If they helped me last week, I think they might name up. I mean, they're under a lot of pressure. Cradle going pretty well. But that gives you eight bucks right there. Um, so I like that, Moldy. My other bet of the week, this week, as I'm looking, is I'm going to go back to the CF Sydney game. Because, as I said, that's the one I'm most confident about. And I'm going to go to the try-scoring market to score a try... Cody Walker is $2.60. Damien Cook is $4.50. I like both of those, Josh. What do you think? What's Cam Murray paying? Cam Murray to score tries, $4.25. Yeah, there's some value there. there. If you think CS can score some points, even if you don't think CS is going to flog the Dragons, I at least think it's probably going to be a high-scoring game. So I think there's going to be yeah, some, some try scorers there. So, uh, mate, how much was your paying? What did you... What did you get? Did you have a look? Uh, comes out, comes out around ten bucks. Okay, nice. Ten bucks ninety roundabouts. Good so value. Good value. I like decent, it. Decent right. there. I mean, I wouldn't bet confidently with us two providing the predictions, but um, definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but Cody Walker two sixty. Um, CS thirteen plus. I think they're both great bets personally, um, and I like yeah, my Moldy as well. So, uh, all right, well, let's go to Super Coach now. And usually this is only a couple of minutes. We might go a little bit longer um, just because. Josh is a big super coach player. He's been, as he mentioned, in the top 1,000 in the last two years. We have such a deep history in our rivalry and super coach in our competition. Uh, we've versed 
each other in several grand finals, Josh. Um, but yeah, mate, as I said, it wasn't a good week for both of us last week. How's your team looking after four rounds? And um, not just for your team, but for... Because I, I, I know you don't like revealing all your secrets. But what do you think are, are some good trades in for this week? And I, I think we know, we both can agree on the obvious one. Yeah, well, um, I mean, Harry Grant is almost a must-have at this point. Um, the the biggest one to get in at the moment is Taylor May That's, before he yep. explodes in price. And on the back of that, um, on the back of the Penrith attack, and um, pretty certain that come, um, come two or three weeks when Toto's back, I think Staines drops out for May because... May's just playing that well. He's got a similar running game to Toto as well. So even if um, even if uh, May drops out, he's going to make plenty of money in the interim. He's going to make a lot of money. I'm looking at Penrith's run, and if you just go the next three weeks, they've got this week the Bulldogs. Taylor May can score plenty there. He can score yeah. ten, mate. He could get he could get the most tries ever in that game if they're not yeah, careful. The he Bulldogs. Could, he could get a, another couple tons. But so the he, but the Broncos and the Raiders now, depending on what you think of the Broncos and Raiders, if they're going to be competitive or not, there's still going to be opportunities for May to score there. So even if he does drop out, he's probably due to go up about hundred k this week. He could be about five hundred, six hundred k before he even gets traded out. And especially with Origin period with Toe as well, he could miss some games there. Yeah. So so, mate, I, I don't see why anyone wouldn't be jumping on Taylor May. No, yeah, you have to jump on him this week. Average of 101.5. His break even is minus 123. He's projected 77 with a rise of 148,000. If he goes higher, he could even crack the 170,000 mark increase, which is just probably one of the best cheapies that we've ever had in Supercoach. So, What's your strategy um, this year in Supercoach? I mean, you mentioned Harry Green. If you got, you were to get Harry Green in this week, are you going two hookers? How's your bench rotation? Are you going to mostly rely on fours this year on your bench at the end game? Or are you going to go more halves and fullbacks? I'm just unsure. Um, it's just one of those classic years where you just take a punt on a few pods as cheapies and... It doesn't really work out all that well. But um, I think I have enough money makers to go. Currently, I've got um, Guffo as one of my as one of my as one of my um, reserves, Josh King, and then torn between Randall, Nanai, Max King, Chualangi, Schneider, Ilias. They're all kind of mid rangers aren't they? Yeah, I kind of think it kind of depends ranges. on each week who you play, depending who they match up with those yeah. cheapies at the moment. So it's all about those matchups. And I mean, for the I started off fairly well, apart from last week, three from three for the first three weeks into a shocking loss last week. So um, I think as long as I'm making money, I'm happy. That's all I really care about at the start of the year, and then I'm getting in guns to try and continue with the rest of the year. And, yeah, it's been an interesting year so far, and I think COVID's going to have more and more of an impact on the way Supercoach goes. So you'll see players dropping in and out like flies. I'm just looking at my boys. I still think Bo is a boy if you haven't got him. I got him last week and then found out he wasn't playing and I couldn't get him out in time. But he's due to make a lot of money. Um, I know that you've been very high 
on uh, talking about the possibility of bringing in Mitchell Moses to your team or other coaches doing. He's got a pretty much negative break even as well, so that might not be a bad option. There's there's definitely some value out there this week. I'd love to be able to fit someone like Isaiah Papalihi in my team. Yeah. Apparently, he's going to be. Is he going to be? He's still going to be a jewel after next week. So. so um... Confirmed by Supercoach that they're not losing their jewels, so he will be available front row all year, which is absolutely phenomenal because front row at the moment is such an awful position for Supercoach. Um, you've got um, Isaiah Papali'i as the second highest, and then you've got, I think, Jai Arrows in the top five, which is just absolute insanity. Even... He's, playing, he's playing very well, but even the option to switch out Targo from the centre to the second row potentially is yeah. good that you can still do that after this week. Most definitely. It's just, you've got Payne Haas averaging 77, Papali'i averaging 73, and then it just drops to 60. For the front There's row? No in-betweens, yeah, in yeah. the front row. That's such a hard position. I think if Papali'i can be fifth all year, he's going to be your lock second front rower and... I'm either getting him in or Mitch Moses in. I can't, can't decide. It's going to be a flip of the coin at the end of the week. As two players, as two players that don't have him, I also want to mention Ryan Papperhausen. Do you think he's a must-have? He was made. He's getting some good scores for two players that don't have him. I can't get him in. I just, I can't justify trading out Teddy and Gutho this week, unfortunately. But I can understand a lot of people getting him in before he skyrockets in price after that massive, massive game. and The Melbourne attack just flows through him. It just... He's their, their single focal point in attack, so he's definitely one of the must-haves, but I just can't, I can't get him. I wish I could. Before, before we wrap it up, what do you think the biggest problem in your team is at the moment? I mean, I know the, the listeners can't see your team, but is there anything you want to fix up? But for me, I've got... Obviously, the centres are the work in progress because they're trying to make money for me. I've got Hughes and Munster. Now, they're both great super coach players. Usually, Munster didn't fire last week when I captained him. Of course, I captained him the week that he did nothing. But I'm just a little bit... I've got to, I, I want some uh, clarification from you what you think I should do because I've got two... Uh, halves from the same team. Do you think that's a good idea? Or do you think that's something I might need to fix? If I keep Hughes and Munster, or, and Munster both, maybe I need another gun in the halves to kind of make up for them. I think definitely it's... Uh, the way this year's going, I think it's hard to go two halves in the same side, especially with an attacking team like Melbourne. Even though they're, so, they're going to score points, you might have a week where... Munster's quiet or Hughes is quiet and they both don't goal kick which is one of the biggest drawbacks of um, having those two even though they're in such a good attacking side I think um, definitely it's good to have another player especially when you've got a lot of good options at halfback you've got Nico Hines um, Mitch Mitch Moses killing it at the moment and then um, Cleary's back as well and then in the 5-8 position you've got Dylan Brown, who's just gone to another level this year. Some um, people could have the same problem, have Moses and Brown. Now, they both killed it this week, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do yeah, it every exactly. week. So. so it's definitely not... I'd definitely try and keep away from that. And to be honest, I started with too many heels this year. It just... Junior Paulo has been my biggest disappointment this year. He's averaging 47.5. He was up in the 
up in the 60s last year. He just passes the ball. He's just not a not a super coach front rower anymore. So um, it's either I've got Jerome Hughes, and Jerome Hughes was a passenger on um, on Sunday. So he got 60, but from the line break and the 90 meter run, 60, a, a very lucky 60. But he's one of those players who can just score two tries in a game, get a ton. But um, considering whether to shore up my front row and get Papali'i this week or use Mitch Moses as a stepping stone to get Nathan Cleary. But also at the same time, I might, by the time Mitch Moses makes money to get to Cleary, it's around origin time. So it might be the better option to go Papali'i while I can because he's just head over heels better than anyone other than Payne Huss in the front row. Yeah, there's a lot of choices this week for sure in Supercoach, and I'm sure a lot of uh, Supercoach players have the same headaches that we do. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be a hell of a year, Josh. It's always good to talk to you in terms of Supercoach, but it's also also always good to talk about rugby league with you in general, and obviously in Canberra, um, so we don't get to do this as often as we used to do, but it's been a pleasure having you on the show today, mate. Anything you want to say before you go? I mean, have you enjoyed being back on the show? Oh, most definitely. I'll come back anytime I can, and um, now that I'm doing it, no, that I'm in Canberra, there's not much to do here. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd love to be back on the podcast. Do, do you have a soft spot for Canberra now, the Raiders? Uh, I mean, I did. I did, um, but just I'd love to go see the game because I love GIO Stadium. Yeah. GIO, yeah. Yeah, I've... I've been there a couple times, absolutely love it. So um, I'm really keen to see, because my cousin's a mad Raiders fan, really keen to um, go there for the Para Raiders game. Um, that's scheduled this year, so really looking forward to it. All right, no worries. Well, as I said, mate, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks to everyone who listens to Steve's NRL Footy Tips each week. Remember to like Steve's NRL Footy Tips on Facebook. Follow us on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere. Enjoy your football this weekend. Hopefully me and Josh are wrong and there's not so many blowouts and hopefully it's an entertaining round of rugby league. But we'll see you next time on Steve's NRL Footy Tips. Thanks for being on the show, Josh. No problem at all, Steve. Take care, guys. Enjoy your footy.